and welcome to another episode of Professors at Work from the American University of Beirut. I'm Rami Khoury, your host. And my guest this week is not a professor, but somebody whose impact is probably as much as any professor anywhere in the world. Uh, she's Zena Hashimbek. Zena Hashimbek is an AUB graduate with a BA and an MA. And we do include AUB graduates among the people we interview for this podcast. So Zena is uh, with me because she is a accomplished and respected poet in the Arab world, um, in English and Arabic and French. And she is just now publishing uh, this month in July uh, a collection of poetry by a Penguin Poet series. And, and the first uh, Arab poet that the Penguin Poet series publishes, she's had several other poetry books published and chapbooks and she has a podcast called Maksuda, which is about Arabic poetry, which is co-produced with a colleague. Uh, and she's uh, an all-around uh, creative and uh, wonderful person, and I'm glad that she's with us. Thank you, Zena, for being here. Thank you, Rami, for having me. That's so generous of you. Thank you. Well, you've earned it because you're doing uh, really fascinating work in the field of poetry. You do other things I know you write other stuff and, and, and you're involved in other forms of creative arts, but we, I decided to have you on the podcast because of this new book that's just coming out now in uh, July. And the title of the book is O, the letter O. Mm -hmm. And you just mentioned in a, in a tweet uh, recently that it stands for the letter O in body and love and joy, ode, mother, God, home, and maybe other things. So tell us yeah. first... Uh, what, is, what do you understand the O to mean? Uh, yeah, so the story is uh, my working title actually for the collection was Ode to the Afternoon after, after one of the poems in O. Uh, one of the poems in O is called Ode to the Afternoon. And the afternoon for me as a kid was a, and as an adult was a period that... Um, was was really made me feel uneasy. I didn't understand what on earth the afternoon is. It wasn't, you know, it's just, it's a, as a kid, it's a period also where my parents slept and sometimes they forced us to sleep, like you have to sleep now, you know? So I got bored in the afternoon. And of course, in this boredom, creativity is born, right? Right. Um, and as I, you know, as I turned uh, 30 and then 40, I came to, for me, the afternoon came to symbolize the afternoon of, you know, quote unquote, your life, however cliched that might mean, as in you're no younger like young, 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 but you're also not old. And so yeah. you're in this liminal in-between space. And I like that as a title for the book. But then one day I was kind of staring at it and the idea came to just kind of get rid of everything and just keep the O. Okay. And it made sense to me. It made sense because, well, it's a very, I think it's a striking title. I immediately thought, wow, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how it would be designed eventually. Of course, I didn't have a publisher at the time, but I was thinking about this. But also because uh, it, I did notice eventually that, yes, it is the main vowel in a lot of themes across O, which you just mentioned, you know, body being one of them, mother or motherhood, home, 
uh, ode, joy, love, memory. And I'm pretty sure there's so many odes that I'm not even aware of uh, that that are part of this. But also I like the shape of it, you know, just the shape of the O. It's like, what is it? Like, is it is it a hole that's about to suck you in? Um, is it an opening that invites you into another realm? Uh, in the roundness of it, you know, there's infinity implied. The book is also very spiritual. So this infinity of, you know, the letter O is, uh, is something that's also meaningful uh, to me. And I mean, I can go on and on. The funny thing is, is that the first thing one of my friends told me is that, well, you know, people are going to think it's about orgasm, right? Because there's like <laughs> yeah. a very famous book called The Story of O, and it's all about yeah. like sex and all about that. And I said, oh, I haven't thought about that. <laughs> I haven't yeah. thought about that at all. But, you know, if they also think about orgasm, then fine. So, yeah. I read the book. And, yeah, as long as they read the book. <laughs> and appreciate it. Yeah, so I yeah. read through it, and I, I am um, not versed in poetry. I'm a writer, and I teach writing, and I'm uh, totally um, in love with putting words together to transmit ideas. But I do it through basic journalistic-type narrative writing. But I read through the book, and uh, I was struck by so many things. But the main thing I think that caught my attention <clears throat> was the variety of themes that come out of it. You talk about so many different um, things. You, they, they come out in the in the explanation of the letter O, some of them about love, about body, about mother, about memory, God, etc. Uh, but the fascinating thing to me was how you talked about these really universal human big sticker items, emotional items, identity items, and you, but you talked about them through the experience of daily episodes with your husband, with your friends, with your children, with your family, with your country. So that uh, that struck me as, as really a profound uh, reason why the, the book is so good and the poetry is so good and why it was, it was chosen to be uh, published. Is that a fair representation of what you would like readers to take away from it? Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for, for this reading. Um, a, because you notice the wide variety of uh, the range of themes, and B, because you, you notice that the universal is really in the particular, right? The universal, right. we often think as, oh, you know, universal means vague and, you know, something that, you know, like the the purple cloud, the, like, do you know, like something <laughs> like that. But I, I think, and of course, a lot of artists know that the universal is in the particular, uh, inside your body. Uh, you know, to quote Whitman, there are multitudes, you know, I am multitudes. So that body holds the political, it holds the personal, it holds the spiritual, and it holds the like the physical, the illness, the, whether it be it mental or physical or childbirth or, or, or all of this we hold in our bodies. It holds memories. And sometimes they just kind of slap you in the face and you find yourself remembering something suddenly. And you're like, why did I remember? You know? Right. So we hold so much in our physical, personal bodies that it right. has to be also something beyond us, beyond the personal. So yes, the personal is political. The particular is universal. And 
I wanted to comment on the range, the the many themes. So as I was putting it all together, that was actually one of the most challenging things about putting that collection together is I looked and I said, well, this book is about everything. <laughs> like, yeah. what, like, how am I going to market it? Like, how am I going to even pitch it? Like, if someone tells me what your, what is your book about? I can literally say, well, everything, you know? Yeah, so, life, life. It's about life. life. Life, you know, the late Murid Barghouti, uh, once I, I saw him at the, the Palestinian poet, I saw him at the, at a literature festival and someone asked him a question. He said, well, you know, poetry really, really is about life and death. There are only two themes, life yeah. and death, you know, and I agree with him. And so I had to challenge the idea of unity that we have in mind that I believe is quite a Western idea of unity, you know, that you have to be, you know, this book has to be about one specific thing, right? Yeah. Um, so, and, and I went through a more um, intuitive idea of unity um, that that means that, you know, you can, doesn't necessarily mean that the book doesn't have range and cannot jump realms. Very much like the ghazal form. Because the ghazal form in poetry, and this is actually, it's not even my idea. It's early on when I was uh, putting all together, I asked a question on Facebook. I asked this question on Facebook, like, do you think a poetry book should have one kind of dominating themes or could it be just about anything and these poems are collected together and one someone on Facebook and I'm sorry I don't remember her name told me oh so you're thinking kind of like the ghazal because the ghazal as a poem is written right. in couplets all right two 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 and each right. couplet and so you write it and supposedly you should write the couplets in a way that if you shuffle shuffle the couplets you the the ghazal still makes sense Wow. And so in one couplet, you can be talking about God. In the next couplet, you can be talking about fashion. In the next couplet, you can be talking about the sea, you know, and so on and so forth. But what unifies the ghazal is the rhyme and right. the uh, refrain. Al-Qafiyah wa radif So the ghazal always, the couplet always ends with a refrain. So, for example, one of the refrains, which is the very first poem in the book, is with prayer. With prayer, with prayer, with prayer, with prayer, right? Yeah. And right before the refrain, all the words should rhyme. So, for example, in this poem, what to do? So do with prayer, true with prayer, to with prayer, you with prayer, you know? And so I'm sorry, I'm being all like technical now. But so the ghazal could be about anything. But what grounds it is this con the refrain that you go back to and what's beautiful is how the poet or the performer when it's in Urdu Ghazal right goes back to that refrain but in a very different way right yeah. and it almost reminds me of the Lebanese Zajal you know how like the, zaj the Zajal uh, you know the, the audience participates and they repeat one sentence right yeah. like um yeah. They repeat one sentence. I'm, I, yeah. It escapes me now. I'm trying to give an example, like, uh, like, kind of like that. But and then they keep repeating it, but he goes back to it differently every single time. So that to go back to your question, I resolved myself to the fact that the book has unity the same way the Ghazal has unity, which is a very expansive way of defining 
quote-unquote unity. And, and, and to contrast with this unity theme, you have a huge variety of, uh, I don't know what you'd call them, poetry structures or uh, the way that poems are written, formats, or I don't know what the right word is in poetry. Um, as, and some of them are, most of them are in English, some of them are in Arabic, and many of them are in Arabic and English together. So uh, help us uh, unravel all that. Yeah, so it's form, it's poetry form, the word you're looking for. And um, uh, I don't have uh, Arabic poems in O, as in just Arabic. I have duets, which are bilingual. So yeah, I, I used to think that I am not a formal poet because form scared me. And then little by little, people started telling me this, like, you know, you write a lot in form. And I was like, no, no, no. And then... You know, with 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 time, I recognize that I actually do love form. I love the ghazal. I love the restraints of it because within the restraints of the ghazal, that the fact that you have to go back to this qafiya and radif, right. it restrains you, but at the same time, it frees you so much so that you know you can be talking about anything before you go back to this qafiya and, and radif, right? So it's a it's a strange thing, form where uh, you think. It's there to limit you, but it's not. It's just, it contains, it contains, it's a vessel, but it's a vessel that allows you to digress and juxtapose as much as you want. So I use ghazals, I use triptychs as well, which are poems that uh, when you see them visually, just just like a, like a painting that's a triptych, you have three right. columns. Yeah. So if you read each column alone, it should make sense. But if you read them horizontally across the columns, it should also make sense. So technically you have four poems in one. Right. And also I've invented the duet, which is a form, which is a bilingual English-Arabic uh, poem. So that in the past, I used to only write in English and kind of sprinkle the English poems with some Arabic words or expressions or, or, or and I decided in O oh, that no, uh, when I wanted Arabic to come in, I wanted it to come in as an equal partner in the poem. Wow. And uh, so that the idea of the duet is it's fully bilingual and it's the poems are not a translation of each other. They're a right. conversation mm -hmm. so that you have a poem in English if you only read English. You have a poem in Arabic if you only read Arabic. And if you're bilingual like us, you go down the page, left to right, left to down the page, and hopefully a third poem opens in the space that is a conversation between the two. So that's another form as well. And this um, is a new, uh, a new departure for you, isn't it, to do it bilingually like this? Absolutely, yes. It's, it's very scary. <laughs> well, artists, <laughs> uh, you know, creative people go through constant, you know, experimentation and learning. So this is your latest phase, obviously, as you work with the form and, and, and with other things and, and, and themes. It's uh, it's quite fascinating. I've been told by uh, friends of mine over the years who are poets who, who tried to help me understand poetry and, and achieved a little bit. I'm still learning. But uh, one of the things that they all tell me is that poetry has to be uh, performed, that poetry should, you should hear a poet speaking his or her poem rather than only reading it. Do you agree with that? Uh, yes and no. So I personally uh, love uh, poetry performances. I love to read poetry out loud. And I also read it to myself out loud as I am writing it. So I think 
it should be performed. Yes. But this doesn't mean that once you put it on the page, if you only have the page in front of you, then it stops talking to you. Do, do you know what I mean? Like it should also be able to stand alone on the page. But I've had over the years, lots of people tell me as well that Zena, we, we, we used to read you, but now we heard you. And then when we go back to reading you, it's your voice in there and it just makes much more sense. It's just, do, do you know? So, um, so I get that. So, yeah. So does that make you want to start thinking about doing, uh, you do the podcast in, in Arabic, but are you thinking of coming up with another form format where your poetry, you read it and people can listen to it if they want? Well, that's not, that wouldn't be a format that I came up with, right? That's just like spoken word poetry has been around for such a, 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 a long time and some poets just release albums, right? Um, I mean, I don't know. I haven't thought, I haven't thought of it for me. The book as an object is a very important thing. You know, I, I, I love the stage and, uh, I love working in theater and I love, I love when the arts intersect so that when we do theater and poetry at the same time, for example, but I also just love to have a book to hold and to, <laughs> to read, you know, well, I'm a bit old school like that, I guess. It's it's there for all time. You know, once it's written, uh, it is written. It's there for all time. And uh, it's a contribution to human civilization. So this is great, uh, great work. And uh, <clears throat> it's great that AUB graduates are achieving these kinds of things uh, all the time. We only have a few minutes left, Zena. <laughs> One of the themes that comes through in the book is uh, Lebanon. Uh, you yeah. took this one great poem about revolution, revolution song, written mm -hmm. in October 2019, and then you have another one later called Ode to Lebanon. And throughout the book, the imagery is off, relates very much to growing up in Lebanon. And well, you grew up in Tripoli, right? Yes, I grew up in Tripoli, then went to AUB. Right. So uh, so how central is Lebanon uh, in your theme, in your themes, in your poetry and, and in your life? Is it really a central theme or is one of many? I mean, unfortunately, yes, it's a central theme. Um, and I say unfortunately because I seem to be fixated on it and I've made my peace with this. See, when I first, when I was in the process of, so when O became a book in my head and I was in the process of writing it, I promised myself that there would be no quote unquote Lebanon poem in this poems in this book, you know? No, there would be no Lebanon poems. And partly it's also because I'm very aware that the audience uh, who receives uh, my poetry is to a large extent not Lebanese. And so I didn't right. want to be pigeonholed to that category. Oh yeah, she writes about Lebanon. Yes, I do write about Lebanon, but also about motherhood and love and friendship and antidepressants and, 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 and like you said, universal things, right? So I didn't want to be pigeonholed. And so I thought no Lebanon poems. And then the revolution happened and the Beirut blast happened and, and, and. And I remember having a, a conversation with my friend, uh, Lina Munzer, who's also a brilliant Lebanese writer, telling yeah. her, I mean, I can't not have a few poems in there, but it just feels, it feels like on what planet are you living, Zena? Yeah. And so I, I reintroduced, I had written them, of course, at the time. And so Revolution Song was one of the very last poems 
uh, added to O, and I had a discussion with my editor as well. And she said, no, no, Zena, it doesn't take away from the other part. It doesn't make your book only about Lebanon, if that's what you're you know, afraid of. And so we decided to to put them, but also as I as I engage more with O and kind of rereading, preparing to it, I noticed that Lebanon is there even in the smallest details, right? Not just in the Revolution Song poem, not just in the poem about the Beirut blast, but in the poem about motherhood, in the poem about my relationship with my mother and my grandmother and my daughters. Of course, Lebanon in there, because where did I grow up? There. So in, it's in the small details. You can't escape it, right? Um, well, absolutely. The the Revolution Song uh, poem is probably my favorite, maybe because I was there for the revolution. Mm. And, um, and and when I read through the poem, it just brings the whole thing back to life and captures it so, uh, so well. I remember reading and quoting once in one of my texts, um, a little uh, text you wrote about riding on the bus uh, in Lebanon. Uh, mm and uh, being mistreated <laughs> or sexually yeah. harassed or something. And yeah. uh, that wasn't a poem. That was just a, a little uh, essay. Not but you captured, you captured so well the uh, the reality uh, of life. But uh, you've also left Lebanon now. Uh, you're living in the United States. So, so mm-hmm. how does that fit into your emotions and, and what you do as a poet? Uh, this is a question that I have yet to answer because I've only moved here in December and we're now, what, the beginning of July? It's been six months. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know how that will fit in. Uh, we have to see in the future. But I had left Lebanon anyways for Dubai, right? I had been in right. Dubai for the past 10 years. However, yeah. leaving Lebanon for Dubai is completely different from leaving Lebanon for California because in Dubai, A, you're physically Within the same time zone, you can just jump on a plane and go to Lebanon whenever you want. It's very easy. Um, and also in Dubai, there's this temporality, right? That you, you, you are always aware that you're temporary. You're always aware that you can't get citizenship. Uh, if you don't have a job, your visa will expire. So that in some sense, that's good because you're thinking, oh, I'm going to come back. Right. I'm here for a few years and I'm coming back. And that's 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 been my narrative to myself all these 10 years is I'm going to come back. And of course, I came back in June, July, August every year. So three months of the year were spent in Lebanon. Right. Um, But when you're in California, this is no longer narrative in your head. (laughs) You're you're not like, oh, I'm going to come back. So that this is a. I feel like now I have really left Lebanon. You know, this is the first time I've really left Lebanon. And I don't know how the reverberation on my writing uh, will be, to be honest. Well, it gives us something to look forward to down the road as you address and deal with these issues and process the emotions and the imagery and then write about it for us, uh, I hope, one day soon. Thank you. Can I plug in an essay that's coming up? Um, Of course. There is an essay that's going to be released soon uh, on New Lines uh, magazine online, and it's called The Last of the Bougainvillea Years. And it's a nonfiction essay about uh, leaving Lebanon and leaving Dubai and eventually coming to the United States. It's a long one. It's like 6,000 words. Um, But it's about that transition period when I had realized, "Uh uh-oh, I'm really leaving now, you know? Wow. And this will be on New Lines Magazine's website and on Twitter they'll pro- yeah. promote it 
right. yeah around the same time o is released so within the next few t- the, within the next couple of weeks i'm sure yeah uh, well new lines magazine is one of the most extraordinary new publications that i've seen on the middle east and i i know the editor and the people who are working on it uh, and and i met with them before they produced it and they've done an amazing job yeah. so it's not no surprise they've got you uh, published in there as well um, one last thought. Why should uh, young poets or young people in the Arab world or abroad uh, go and get your book and read it? What would what would you think would they would most benefit from or enjoy in reading your book? I think what I hope for is that they have um, some kind of Uh, dare I say, transcendental moments with even if it's just a line, because that's my relationship as a reader with poetry. Um, as a reader, I look I look for poems who in the span of the six minutes that I might have read this poem in just kind of transport me or, you know, c- take me into another realm. I really think poetry has a quote-unquote magical effect, uh, a little bit like music, like, you know, when you're really into music and you're transported. Yeah. And I feel poetry among the written uh, arts is the, the the best one that does that because it's so condensed, right? It's language as it's at its most condensed. A poem yeah. can be as short as four lines. And yet it, you can go, whoa, right? And really co- connect with it. And I hope they connect with some poems and feel less lonely, be it as a mom, be it as a Lebanese person in exile, be it as uh, a person dealing with mortality, uh, be it as uh, a woman who's struggling with body image. There's just so many themes in there. In there. So I, I hope that some of these poems make them feel less alone in this. Well, well that's a worthy cause, and um, it's something that you definitely will uh, prompt among uh, many of your new and, and, and established old readers. Uh, Zena Hashimbek, we've run out of time, unfortunately. We'll have to continue this down the road. The last point you made uh, about you know the transformative, uh, transcendental, magical effect of when you read Poetry, you know, this is something now that I'm dealing with a lot in the teaching of narrative writing based on, on many articles I've read by scientists who study the uh, imagery and uh, they take images of people's brains as they watch a movie or read a poem or hear music. And there's now a lot of knowledge about what happens in the brain and therefore emotionally in the body when people interact with words or images or uh, musical notes and, and, and poetry is One of these. So we have a lot more to talk about down the road, I hope. Yeah, that's um, amazing. That's I'm not surprised. Yeah. It's really astounding you know, when they scan the brain and, and they can literally watch on a screen the emotional reactions. But we will discuss this one day again uh, soon. For the moment, we uh, say Mabruk on the publication of your new poetry collection uh, at Penguin Poet Series called O, the letter O. Um, and I thank you again for being with me. Thank you, Rami. Allah barik fiik. Thank you. Allah salmik. Yalla. Uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy the publication festivities, and uh, we'll talk again. Thank you to the audience for joining us on Professors at Work. Uh, I'm Rami Khoury, your host. Join me again next week for another episode. Bye for now. Bye.